Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, an apoplectic Trump jumps up and down screaming when he sees the bad job his lawyers are doing for him in the impeachment, according to someone who said that. And that's literally, I looked at that story and I was like, there's no way that's true. He's golfing. He's not paying attention. It doesn't matter. And what was the source? And it was just like somebody said. Well, multiple sources familiar with the former president's reactions. Let me read that again. (laughs) Multiple sources familiar with the former president's reactions told CNN that Trump was, quote, borderline screaming over his defense attorney's performance Tuesday, particularly taking issue with his attorney Bruce Castor Jr.'s rambling open remarks. This was this story, this breaking story was brought to us by CNN's chief White House correspondent. This is the type of journalism we're getting out of CNN right now. What a well, joke. It, it made me think that his I, I've been thinking from the beginning, he's done. His job is done. He's retired. I feel like he's basically licensing his brand and his image to whatever is going to deep fake or it's like if you see like a quote from somebody endorsing a product from Howard Stern like I I use butt cream every day you know it's like maybe you do maybe you don't maybe you wrote that quote maybe somebody wrote it for you and you just okayed it but that's my image of how Trump post uh post-administration is going to be. So I kind of gave him a handle, either the phantom Trump or faux Trump. But in either case, you can call him Frump. Frump. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the implication the here. Maybe the PH. Right. Phantom, yeah, with a PH. The implication Frump. here is that there's still people inside of Frump's team that are leaking information <laughs> to CNN. He's never, he can't escape these leakers, apparently. How, how long before people just start citing cats and dogs that were running around the area? This is absurd. Major and sergeants or whatever the German shepherds are in the White House right now. Maybe they're the ones. Major and sergeant. Screen. Major source of inside information (laughs) of all the things going on in the world today. This is a story that was featured prominently on CNN and all over Twitter and all over social media. Actually, if he was mad at that whole thing, it would probably be for the same reason I was mad that they completely stipulated this insurrection narrative, which is a bunch of bunk, in my opinion. Speaking of which, I didn't watch the entire argument that Trump's lawyers made because the thing is just boring and people don't really <laughs> seem to be interested in it. They're going to have to call. They're going to have to call witnesses in. If they want to add drama, they want to get people yeah. to engage. They're going to have to have the witnesses come in. But what I noticed in the little bit that I watched from his lawyer is the very opening statement that Castor made. He the first thing that he did was marvel over how great the presentation the Democrats just put on was. He said, I, we had to change our strategy just right here because of how fantastic your presentation was. Really great job. Awesome. I mean, he was praising them. And it was what you cited yesterday as full-on war atrocity propaganda level stuff. Yeah, it was. So the video they put together. Yeah. And of course, this is exactly why I don't believe in the two party system, because they come together on the things that justify furthering the welfare warfare super state 
anyway, it will be strengthened. They both support those basic assumptions yeah. and then they just quibble about the haha so-called solutions. Part of that video is a guy standing in an open field way away from anything. Looks like hardly anybody's around. And it's like a little tiny gate that is not really attached to anything. Just kind of sitting out in the middle of a grassy park and he just kind of kicks it. Like a kid might kick a toy and it kind of scoots a little and he goes, let's go in. And then he just, but there's nobody around him. <laughs> That's what we heard, that nobody was stopping them. It's, uh, I'm sure it's, a, it's going to go down in the annals of history that as a as a historical it will absolutely document. you're right totally <laughs> it's going to be painted so much darker than it actually was in history speaking of the propaganda war here <laughs> yeah. there's this extraordinary story yesterday of about Kamala Harris about a viral video of Kamala Harris going to the Lincoln Memorial and jogging up and down the steps and the way the story was presented in the media was Kamala Harris in a viral video exercising, running up and down the Lincoln Memorial steps while a man identified as a Secret Service agent was chasing behind her, trying to catch up to Kamala, who was running noticeably faster than him. And this is actually what they said in the broadcast and in the article, the written article. And people who were tweeting about it were like, yeah, this is a, pres a vice president that I want. Look at her exercise. Look at her. And then I, I found an actual video because The Hill, which was reporting on this, only put still photos instead of the actual viral video. So I wanted to see the viral video and I went and looked at it. Here's what was actually going on. Kamala was not jogging. Kamala was walking up steps, moving her arms. That's that's kind of speed walking. That's not there was one person actually jogging, blazing past her. She ran up one flight of stairs, then another. And that's it. That's all you see her do. Go up and down one time. And there were three secret service agents that I saw that were doing their duties. One at the top, one at the bottom, one in the middle, who was going sideways and looking back and forth for threats while he was still moving faster than Kamala. That was the one she was speeding. There was a woman who was not in the best shape, to say the least, who was carrying a baby over her head at one point who was moving up and down the stairs faster than Kamala. This is the type of propaganda you see out of North Korea. Kim Jong-il playing 18 holes of golf, getting a hole in one every single time. I mean, seriously, this stuff is going to get more and more crazy. They do always paint the image, especially with the women, Michelle, Hillary. And you can see Michelle is still top seller, but Hillary, you can see she looks terrible when they stop doing that. It's very common, I think, yeah. for them to do that. They're painting her image. But actually, what I don't like about that stuff, and yeah, the, the Secret Service guys have to give them a perimeter and usually try to stay out of their way. So that yeah, seems exactly to <laughs> trying and, to beat her in a foot race. I mean, right. You wouldn't want to. You don't want to catch up with her. And then, but what really bothers me and it always has my mother was the first one to flag this during the Clinton era was when these people go jogging or go somewhere, or go to an event, do anything like that. It it or even like on a runway that shuts down the entire community around where that's happening. And in New York, when Clinton went running in Central Park, when he shut down Central Park for eight hours. I mean, he probably robbed millions of people of their only access to the outdoors. And I mean, the human yeah. suffering that ensues from these people's photo ops, from their indulgences, it's unconscionable. And and it's uh, but they don't care. This this gives the lie to this idea that you're compassionate 
politician. You really it takes thinking about people, other people to control your behavior like that. And these people obviously only think about themselves and their handlers think about the image and the power that surrounds it. The image, the genes and the chucks. Right. Mark Cuban yesterday announced that the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks, the NBA basketball team is no longer playing the national anthem before games. They actually haven't played them before any of their games this season. People just didn't notice. Somebody asked him and he said, yeah, that was a conscious choice that we made to not play the national anthem after he discussed it with NBA commissioner Adam Silver. It's actually they're supposed to do it in the NBA rules, but they're not enforcing those rules now. I don't care personally if if they play the national anthem before, but what this is, I think it's important to recognize what this is, is this is a changing of the culture. This is a tearing down of standards and norms and replacing it with something else. We talked about this when they started the Kaepernick stuff, the the flag turning from a unifying symbol into a divisive symbol. My question is, what and I bet maybe nothing will. What is going to replace this symbol? I mean, they have BLM across the floors. They have slogans on the back of the jerseys. Yet now we're not doing a national anthem. Who's going to win out when it comes to this uh, symbology war? I, I could maybe inform that answer a little bit with my next story, which doesn't seem super relevant to us, which is why it was kind of weird that it was in the New York Times. But I think it is really illuminates or it does really illuminate the purpose of these things that the story was will american ideas tear france apart and it goes to talk about how uh, france does not address the race and gender issues like we do and that as our ideas are infiltrating them um from uh protesting against police brutality and um, making the opera not put on plays that traditionally were about African characters or black characters that were played by their regular staff who don't have enough black people to play those roles. So they just don't let them play those plays. But they're getting a lot of that kind of kind of woke stuff that they're calling woke and they're they're blaming America on it. And then, of course, they're talking about how France is kind of uh, retrograde in that way that that the there's a far right there that's either reactionary or just resistant to this. And and I just wanted to point out a couple of things and what the big picture is, what the what why it's relevant to us. It talks about. Far left race and gender theory undermining the French culture being entirely American in origin, which is absolutely ridiculous for two reasons. One is I've talked about Michel Foucault as the origin of this kind of identity politics. He was French. Um, uh, Pete Q says that I've I've got that. My assessment of Foucault is wrong. I actually, it was secondhand from Guido Preparata's uh, The Ideology of Tyranny. And I, I'm sure PQ's closer to it, but I still think that our stuff is foreign in origin. And I would point even at France for that. The other thing is that our conservatives were never nationalistic. We did not have identity politics. We had ideology. Foundational ideology was the backbone until Trump brought identity politics to the right. So And I've always said that conservatism, that nationalism being called conservatism is an totally European concept. It was not American because our conservatism is actually capital L liberal in that 
the American experiment was a classical liberal experiment, not a liberal, small L, Democrat liberal, but liberal meaning free markets, laissez-faire. So our conservatism conserves our history, but it's not conservative the way Europeans think of it because they're history that they're conserving is monarchical, hierarchical, nationalistic. So again, identity politics on the right is European in origin, in my opinion, my observation. Their immigration in those countries is designed, it has been allowed by a power elite that works towards a global world government to not only undermine France, Sweden, any kind of coherent culture there, but also to undermine the places that they draw the immigrants from. First, you have to destroy the economy or the land or whatever from those other countries to drive them to emigrate. Here, we had we were perfectly suited for harmonious integration of various races, cultures, and ethnicities because without a safety net, you could get people from other countries who wanted only the opportunity to work and succeed or fail. We had a culture that was very economic based, consumeristic, materialistic, whatever. And in the day, I think one in three or one in four immigrants went back home because they could not play in the sink or swim pool. So then when you put a safety net up, not only does it keep people here who cannot um, really conform with that culture, and of course that changes the culture, but it attracts people who want who want that safety net because their countries have been destroyed. So there's a lot of elements here, but it all goes to, in my um, opinion, that it by bringing by undermining the cultural safety net that you have from from kind of people of like mind and uh, history and historical roots, intergenerational roots, you make that culture in need of something. So it's in need of uh, it looks outward because there's no place inward to look. And that goes to your destroying the symbols that stand for the values. And then at the same time, this stuff is being not pushed into France from America. It's all being pushed down by these World Economic Forum type guys who want yeah. this global fascism. Yeah. And there have been lots of stories over the past couple of months of QAnon right wing Trumpism spreading worldwide. Yeah, right, but it comes from the World Economic Forum guys. Yes, Absolutely. Speaking of the World Economic Forum, I mentioned the other day about David Hogg's new company, his pillow company, and how it is aligning with the Great Reset. Have an update on that. He has published the name of his company as well as a manifesto that highlights the values of the company, and it might as well be straight out of Klaus Schwab's mouth. And I highlight these companies so that we can you know, recognize which ones are the ones that are aligning with us, so we can choose you know, if we can find alternative companies. Great. And although he's making the alternative company here, but the name of his MyPellow company is GoodPellow. Very creative there. GoodPellow. And... The reason he came up with good pillow, the, his commitment for to good pillow is what he means by good is, and this is from the manifesto. Good pillow pledges to have an active dialogue with its customers regarding which causes it will allocate a percentage of profits to. That's straight from the Great Reset, the stakeholder capitalism. Good pillow pledges to be sustainably sourced and environmental, environmentally accountable. 
Goodpello pledges to employ well-paid unionized manufacturers, and this is straight out of Klaus Schwab's mouth. Goodpello pledges to fill our board of directors with people who actually represent America. We've seen companies and leaders rely on symbolic gestures as a substitute for real change. We commit to ensuring our actions demonstrate our depth of our commitment. And finally, Goodpello pledges to appoint a chief progressive officer to his executive team whose sole purpose is to ensure we are true to our vision. So it's not just a chief diversity officer, which is a thing. It's a chief progressive officer. See, that's the thing with this, uh, that like France has straight up socialism. That's their history. But they don't, I guess they don't, what the article was saying, and I don't know if I believe it or not, but that the the cultural Marxism is not part of their traditional socialism. So like the race and gender stuff that they're getting imported comes with an economic and social ideology. It isn't just about uh uh, writing wrongs like France has a colonial history that they is cited repeatedly and will for sure cause them to have that guilt complex that makes them turn towards these things. And they're letting immigrants in. They have to treat them humanely, equally, fairly. But when you talk about like a progressive officer, that then incorporates economic philosophy, uh, identity, politics, everything. I mean, then it's just leftism collectivism i think yeah absolutely and his co-founder of this company that he's working with we both realized is blocking us on twitter i've never commented on this guy i don't know who the guy is his name is william legate but he's apparently an entrepreneur a computer it guy who is a teal fellow peter teal some sort of foundation there and he blocked us. He's from Marietta, Georgia. So I, I assume he and he has the WSB show a really robust Twitter feed. I think he has over a hundred thousand list uh, followers, if not yeah, like way more than that. So I don't know why he would block me. I never heard of the guy before. I, I'd never I'm heard blocked. of him either. He has both of us blocked. I found that very interesting. So another. Weird. Great reset story. Why President Biden needs to appoint a fashion czar. This was a Fast Company article that was trending on social media yesterday. And the gist of it is the deeply problematic fashion industry needs to be regulated like other big sectors. Biden could appoint someone who would hold the industry responsible for its environmental and human rights violations. That's exactly what the Great Reset wants to do is stuff just like a ministry of fashion. I guess so. A fashion czar, Ministry of Fashion. Yes. Crazy. Well, the World Economic Forum obviously is active right now because the Salesforce guy who I now, Mark Benioff, Benioff, he, I now just see him popping up all over the place on the cover front page of the Wall Street Journal today, below the fold, but still (laughs) on the front page. It says uh, Salesforce to shrink its office footprint. So Salesforce is his company, entered the Dow this year. It has, I think, 50,000 employees. I can't remember. Um, It is a, it is a, an American, I didn't even know what it was really. It's an American cloud-based software company headquartered in San Francisco that provides customer relationship management, CRM, and uh, sells a complimentary suite of enterprise applications focused on customer service, marketing, automation, analytics, and application development. So I think they have 48,000 
employees, if I'm not mistaken, 49,000. And uh, this guy is, I believe he's on the board of the World Economic Forum, which is Davos, which is meeting right now or just met. And I, the reason I am bringing this to your attention is that what they say obviously is modeling what they want and expect and what the full force of the World Economic Forum is going to bring down through its wide network of global companies with a big footprint on its own, a lot of employees. So let me just tell you a few things that they want the post-COVID world to look like. Salesforce's changes will include revamping office layouts to increase collaboration space instead of having a sea of desks. As employees are expected to do much of their independent work remotely, the mock-ups of the new offices feature cafe-style seating, open-air conference areas, and private nooks, with an emphasis on clean desks and social distancing. Clean desks and social distancing, that is going to be an ethic, an etiquette, a morality that is definitely coming down, but they're going to greatly reduce their real estate ownership. They're going to expect people to work not in the cities where their offices are, and they are going to reduce the wages of the people who don't have to live in those big cities. And this is the stuff that he's talking about at the Great Reset in that Rockfin video that we played where he calls Klaus Schwab the master very enthusiastically yeah, it's onto weird. some COVID related news a professor of medicine at stanford university and i hope i don't butcher this name but i could very well batacharya dr batacharya who spoke with cheryl atkinson yesterday he came out and he has been speaking out against the lockdowns because he did a, a recent research study to find that they did not help. He believes the lockdowns are dangerous. And he also expressed that Fauci, by telling people that the virus is 10 times more deadlier than the flu, that it caused these lockdowns to happen and caused this public health crisis. And he also said that there's been a censorship of people who don't agree with the government or with the public health authorities, false accusations of conflicts of interest. There's calls for censorship within science. Anytime someone expresses a view that's contrary with with what Dr. Fauci says they're accused of saying dangerous things. And this is a guy who's also involved in something that you're aware of, a strategy called the Barrington Declaration, which has been signed by thousands of scientists and medical professionals who call the lockdown a serious health threat. And they endorsed a focused strategy on better protecting the vulnerable while people at low risk get immunity through natural infection. So I, there's definitely some controversy around the Barrington Declaration. The vast majority of people probably who listen to us and are of like mind with us are 100 uh, percent for that. Very happy those guys came out against the lockdowns. And I am, too. The problem is that if you focus just on them saying that the policies were misguided, That's great. I totally agree. But I do believe they stipulate assumptions, just like stipulating the assumption that there was an insurrection. Then you're negotiating on the next level without questioning the basic underlying assumptions. So I didn't see anything in the Barrington Declaration that questioned um, that they haven't purified the virus, viral theory. um, The goal of vaccination was, I think, prominent in it. And uh, it talked about isolating old people, vulnerable people, which is, you know, I guess if I completely had faith in their analysis, I would uh, give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. That's something I'm kind of on the fence about. But I actually don't 
you know, I certainly don't believe in what they're calling a vaccine. It's really a gene therapy anyway. So what is that really for? I just I worry a little bit that guys who say stuff that and and my guess is he absolutely believes it wants that. You know, the enemy of my enemy is not necessarily my friends. I mean, these guys are a lot closer to my position than Fauci is. But I would just proceed with caution because once you stipulate the assumptions, you leave yourself vulnerable to negotiating solutions. And if those assumptions aren't correct, no solution will be actually the right one. Absolutely. And other COVID news, face masks, the technology, the smart face masks are starting to become more and more popular. I know you said you knew somebody who tried one out, but they are now really, they're pushing this almost like they want to normalize face masks along with all the other technology that we have all the time by making them cool and hip in the way they use them. Yeah, I've seen that too. I uh, One thing that is not cool or hip, but is using technology is a vaccinated... Uh, a vaccination passport or the first step to a vaccination passport for Britons, uh, they can get a scannable QR code that will let them travel abroad sooner rather than later if they've been vaccinated. This is controversial. Uh, number 10, which means Bojo, Boris Johnson, the prime minister, they call him number 10, has publicly denied that it is going to go down the road of controversial vaccine passports and, uh, and people feel like that is a de facto way of either ushering in or it's a way of ushering in de facto vaccinate mandatory vaccinations because you can't do anything without it it also they say thereby would create a quote apartheid system where the vaxxed and the unvaxxed are treated very differently and uh it says the the upshot was some some people say that the minister's in parliament are coming around to the idea that that a system like this could be useful in the future as a way of keeping the economy open. So I take all of this as part of that soft kind of inverted fascism that we discovered and in looking into the World Economic Forum stuff where it's not the government so much supporting the corporations, but it's the corporations instituting laws that rules that absolutely affect if you have a very small number of companies and they all adopt the same rules and you can't function economically without them. You don't have access to growing your own food or whatnot. They are effectively making laws and certainly just universal norms of behavior because of their economic power. So I consider that to be a kind of inverted form of fascism. And that's what World Economic Forum is all about. Yeah. Imposing the culture they want to create onto others without the consent of others. Agreed. Our final story of the day, a man and two girls shot dead in Oklahoma. Before we get to that story, I want to first thank our sponsor of today's show, Neighbors Feed and Seed. Neighborsfeedandseed.com. You can get your chicken seed, your bird seed, your organic seed packs, everything you need to get your garden started right now or, or to continue to grow your garden in your backyard. And what you get most importantly there from Neighbors is you get personalized customer service. Bill always says, contact him directly, email them, call the store. He will talk to you 
He will help you out. James and Bill, very personable service. It's a, it's a very homey feel when you go there. If you're in the Smyrna area in Georgia, I definitely encourage you to check it out. Support those guys. They are good people over there at Neighbors Feed and Seed. NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. I'd also like to encourage everybody to become a patron or consider becoming a patron if you are not already one. We have a great growing community of fun, smart people. It's a very engaging community as well. Monica, very responsive. I'm responsive. Not as responsive as Monica, though. She is the best at that. The most accessible person in media. We offer a wide variety of levels on Patreon, six to be exact, that will get you stuff like our bonus content that we post every day that we post to DMB, access to Q&As, early access to video podcasts and interviews, shout outs, interest to virtual parties that we have each month. A lot of great stuff on there. Check it out. See if you can find a, a tier that fits you. And if not, leave a, a review and a rating for the show on iTunes. It helps us show up in the iTunes rating. So thank you to all the patrons that we currently have and to everyone who listened, listens and has supported us. And now on to our final story of the day. So I notice, as I've been telling you about the shootings have been in the news, it it but it has a different tone this time. A lot of the stuff either has law enforcement getting shot or getting shot at, but regardless of whether law enforcement was shot or shot at, this idea of mental health and especially the mental health of law enforcement is always a part of the story. So last couple of days, a few days ago, I saw a story about, I didn't never brought it, but I, I had a teed up Muskegee. I think it is Oklahoma, a very small place in Oklahoma where a man killed his brother and a bunch of kids. I think they were mostly his brother's kids. It was like f- five or six people dead and including the gunman. Nothing really came of that story too much. So I I never went back to it. But then I got a tweet from Chastity saying there was another story out of Oklahoma from Sandy Spring, Oklahoma, where the it says a a man and two teen girls are dead in Oklahoma. Uh, Apparently, a woman called saying her husband shot her kids while they were on the phone together. They were having marital problems. And I just found it interesting what the what the story, the way the story was reported and what the police chief said about it. The police said the scene is less than a mile from where two children and their mother were killed in a murder-suicide just 10 days ago. So that's a third Oklahoma thing. And then his quotes start with this. Now we have six additional officers who have to deal with this tragedy, a tragedy like this. We have the resources to help us get through it, and we will. We're resilient. This is what we do for a living. So his first quote in this article is about The officers who have to deal with what I'm saying is a third family murder-suicide in Oklahoma in a week. And he goes on to say, today our officers are dealing with another scene of senseless violence against innocent people. It's so out of place for our community. We're trying to understand why. I ask that if you're in a situation in which you feel hopeless, angry, or out of control, please call us and let us help you. If you live with someone who needs help or need to leave and get to a safe place, call us and let us help. If you don't want involvement of the police, call 211 and ask for help. I ask that everyone emphasize, make a point to be a little more kind to our fellow man, be a little less quick to anger and quicker to show empathy and humanity. I ask for your thoughts and prayers for the victims, their families, friends, and community. We'll get through this together, only together. Okay. This is very much a theme that's rising. 
This, uh, I think, it sounds gonna, like what was said in the other one. Very similar. I think that these I've seen journalist resources. I'm sure there's I've seen independent school resources. There's probably law enforcement resources where they kind of tell you there is a fraternal order of law enforcement that the Broward County Sheriff Israel was a part of. And I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that they have protocols on how to handle this stuff. They probably get memos that are updated. But the themes that I see here are the mental health thing. Call the authorities. If you don't want a police officer, you can still get help. So that brings in that social worker thing from the defund the police. It's about mental health and law enforcement. So maybe that's how they're going to justify screening them the way they were going to screen them for domestic terrorism. Maybe they're screening them for mental health. PTSD is a presumption or it will probably become a presumption. And they're going to probably let the suicide thing come out of the shadows to justify ending the lockdowns for whatever the next phase of this PSYOP is. That's interesting. There is definitely there's news today that is still talking about the military doing that stand down order because they're looking for the extremism and mental health is, is a lot. They talk about that a lot in the article as well. I do think that's coming down in the patron 15. I know you have some shout outs in the patron 15. I am going to talk about the iOS app that allows you to um, open your phone without even taking your face mask off. And I've got some, a really nice story that, I was reminded of when we talked to Tim, the Liberty Advisor, yesterday, which we're going to post on Friday. It was a marathon. Could have been the longest interview we ever did. <laughs> but it's a really sweet, fun story I want to tell you about. It's personal. It's not about Tim. But he did give me a little tidbit that made it even more interesting. I'll tell you that. Try to get a little bit away from the politics and the patron 15 where we can just have some fun. Uh, so hopefully you will be able to join us for that. I wanted to give a shout out. Laura... Uh, she's a patron saint. She wants to shout out. This is the sweetest thing to Bill at Neighbors Feed and Seed. She oh. said she's determined to grow stuff this year. She got the seed spa- seed pack special last year from Neighbors. It seemed too late to start seeds. It was late summer when I got it. But I went to Neighbors today and Bill was there. He's always helpful and patient with me. I'm a wannabe vegetable grower. I haven't even started yet, but he set me up with everything I needed. Uh, I had every question answered. I love neighbors. Bill is great. Thanks for turning us all on to neighbors. So that's, that's fantastic. Fortuitous that neighbors was our sponsor today. Yeah. And I did want to shout out our newest patron, Rick, and some of our top patrons, longstanding patrons who have supported us from the beginning and continue to support us. The great Marl Bob, podcaster in his own right. Richard, Shannon, who turned me on to uh, aspiring to go to Montana someday. So I'll do a scouting trip. Maybe I'll meet Shannon in person. And the lovely... To Montana. Hmm? It's beautiful. Yes, Big Sky Country. Is that Montana? Yeah. Is that Wyoming? And then the lovely Cat Duckness, who patron saints know and love from the DPP, yes. from live Zoom parties. So we have a great, a great crowd. Just want to shout them out. Give me your shout outs if you are a patron saint. And uh, stick with us for the patron 15 if you're a patron. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. 
And if you want to get access to our deep dive video podcast, check out rockfin.com propaganda report. We will talk to y'all on the patient 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you.